Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 295, covering Warhead and Equinox Part 1 with Amanda Smith. Friends, we're at the end of uh, Season 5 of Voyager. Means we only got two more to go. Yep, Hooray! one more notch off the belt. That doesn't make sense. All right. No. Also, Amanda's here. What do you, what do you think? Also, Amanda's here. Um, that's all you think. Yeah, that's that's all I think most of the time. That's hey, everyone, it's model. Amanda. Praise me. Uh-huh. Pra- praise Amanda. Yeah. Do it. Everyone. Do it. Okay, okay, that's done. I hate Voyager. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, I really hate it. Yeah. This was not the worst, but it was no. good by any stretch of the imagination. Our, our friend Irish Gav, whom you hear once a season and we occasionally mention when he's not here. I like that guy. I, we all I do, do as well. Praise poems. him, too. One of my better friends. Uh, he said that uh, this first one, Warhead, is one of his least favorite ones of all time. Like, he just hated it a lot. And it didn't affect any of us that way, but no. sometimes an episode just does that to us. No, I didn't like it, but it just felt like more of the same squandered potential. That was me for Juggernaut a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it's like, it's it's when you get to that point where you're like, you know what, fuck all Voyager, and fuck this well, Voyager in particular. It's mostly, for me, it's mostly just, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. You are not reassembling these familiar elements in any way that is interesting to me. Nope. I, this is just boring, and I hate it. I'm just, I'm tired of it, and I really get the feeling that I'm going to feel the same way about Enterprise. And I don't like doing things I don't like. Yeah, same. Uh, what are you going to do? Like, that's how uh, I sort of have run my life now, is I do mostly what I please all the time. Sure. Yeah. Th- that's a that's a good way to be a grown-up. You're you, always you running choose. around playing that flute you love so much. Yeah. Out in a doodly, doodly, glen. doodly. Yeah. That sounds like me. Is yeah. that a thing she does? I'm, I wasn't aware of that. Yep. I mean... You don't know everything I get up no, to. No, I don't. I wasn't... You, why are you defensive about that? I was just saying, huh, I have learned something. And you <laughs> said, yeah, fuck you, you learned something. Yeah, fuck you, learn things about me. Okay. And I, my secret lives. Uh, playing a flute. Playing a flute. That I have never seen. In in a glen, a sylvan glen. Where is this sylvan glen? You know. No. Out, out there. Out back. Outside. <laughs> at the outback? <laughs> yes, at the outback steakhouse. So you you play some, a flute and then have a bloomin' onion? Yes. <laughs> All right. All of this checks out perfectly. That that's fine. I forget when you two get together. It's just a bunch of lies. That's right. Or is no, it's, it? It's bullying and lies. <laughs> right. It's both things. Yeah. It's also that. Uh, Amanda, why don't you tell us? Speaking of making people suffer, what happened in Warhead? Oh, oh boy. So I had to reschedule my Voyager appearance this season due to a scheduling conflict with my glamorous work as a photographer. So fate punished me for my hubris with a Herald episode. Good, 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 good. Neelix is irritating and Chuck is boring, but Harold has a special boy place in my hate. <laughs> we open with Harold patronizing and standing uncomfortably close to Ensign Jenkins, who I had to look up on uh, Memory Alpha to find out what her name was. I wonder if she's hot enough for him. The poor schmuck who drew the short straw and had to man the night shift with Harold. Hooray! They hear a distress signal, and instead of waking up Mom and Dad, the kids decide they're going to take their bikes out and investigate. 
Harold goes downstairs, still having not told Kate what's going on, but fortunately he takes the doctor with him, which nicely cuts the Harold factor. They go down to a truly shitty-looking planet and find a kind of cool-looking, damaged, sentient robot, and the doctor bonds with it. The doctor bonds with all non-human sentient life forms. The doctor asks Harold if he can bring uh, the robot home, promising he'll robo-feed, robo-water, and robo-walk him every day. Robo-walking involves convincing a couple of ensigns to carry him around. <laughs> Harold waffles over his first command decision and begs Mommy Kate to help him. She tells him it's time to put on long pants and make a choice, Harold. So they bring the robot upstairs, upstairs, where it turns out he's the titular warhead, a sentient bomb. I wonder if they programmed him to pe feel pain when he explodes. Anyways, I'm going to keep calling him Bomb because Warhead sounds too much like an 80, uh, 90s uh, X-Men title. The crew decides to try and save Bomb, Bomb's Robomind, and pour him into a hologram and then destroy the explosive part. Bomb figures out what they're doing and... Oh, he possesses the doctor. Okay. And so the saving grace of this being a doctored Harold two-hander is completely spoiled. The bomb doctor takes over the ship and demands they taxi him to his well-deserved explosion. He doesn't realize that this isn't the Enterprise. Voyager is a vacation home, not a fire truck. <laughs> Neelix says he recognizes the tech of bomb from a trade he made with an alien a while back. Of course he does. So, uh, maybe I can help. This alien, uh, this helpful alien is a shady arms dealer, like all of Neelix's friends, and says that he can help them, but only if they trade him bomb. Also, he's got the goofiest fucking voice I have heard in quite some time. It really peaks when Kate sends him off on his way. Al, uh, I want us to stick with tradition here uh, of me screwing up the format of your show and put the quote in right here. Sure, and I appreciate you not including a time code like the, the most disruptive guests do. Thank yeah, you for that. I am disruptive. Everyone pay attention. I'm Amanda. I can make more profit by selling off its components. Well, the energy matrix alone can power a fleet of starships. Stop kicking over those trash cans. <laughs> Never! So, uh, everyone runs around trying to stop Bomb. The crew comes up with a plan to have Seven deactivate him by pretending to be hurt to get into Sick Bay. Neelix does her burn makeup, because I guess he worked in a burn store before coming to Voyager? None of it works, but Harold, and let's be clear, Harold, not Kate, the captain of the ship, talks the Bomb into realizing he doesn't want to destroy a situation. Bomb then heroically meets up with his other Bomb friends, who are going to blow something up, I guess. Uh, and self-detonates, saving the day. Whatever. <laughs> yep. I like how we've gone from where it'll be no triple at all to whatever. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> That's one more done, I guess. <laughs> Finished. There. Done. Okay. I crossed it off. We're fine. Whatever. Yep. No Shut one up. can say I didn't watch this episode. Also, uh, good, good job uh, buzz marketing your photograph, uh... Your side business photographing people. That's not my side business. That's my business business. This is my side business. Photos by Amanda can be found at. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and get your plug out of the way since we're already talking. Oh, yeah. About let's it. talk about me some more. Uh, go to either giantblackalbatross.com for my website or giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com for my daily photo. Very well. Now we don't have to do that at the end. But we will. We'll just do it all the time. Uh huh. Uh, I'd rather talk about anything but this episode, though, because woof. Yeah. This didn't. This, this couldn't even be have the decency to just be bad. You know, it's just it's. 
boring. It's so boring. Yeah, it really is. It's just and like, it, it felt like every time we looked up, it was like, this is still happening. People are still discussing things I don't give a shit about. It, it felt like a couple of scenes in particular felt like they could have been written by a Star Trek scene generator. Yep. They were so incredibly generic oh, and yeah. not character specific, just like the same arguments we've heard. But but the good of the many, but you can't, but you don't want to hurt people. But this is what I my function, what I was programmed to do. Ugh. It felt like real placeholder dialogue. Like, this mm-hmm. is where Harold convinces the bomb that life has meaning. So he says, I am convincing you. And the mm-hmm. bomb says, I am convinced. Yeah. Yep. No, you could literally, you could slot this into not just any episode of Star Trek, but any sci-fi show almost. Yeah, because it's very standard. I was programmed to do a thing, but the thing you're programmed to do is bad. Yeah. But I was programmed to do a thing. Okay, you've convinced me. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about um, wasted potential, this really feels like it could have been like a kind of a cool throwback to the original series yep. where you have the captain uh, trying to uh, outsmart a um, uh, some kind of robot. Mm-hmm. And that's actually my good thing. The few moments we have where Kate is outsmarting the bomb and like trying to put it to him, you're mm-hmm. like, I, yes. I, I put it to you that you should not blow stuff up. Is like I'm like oh boy we're gonna see that I'm real excited about that and then they just didn't do that and they had Harold do it instead for yeah. reasons I do not understand. See, and like the thing is, like the concept of a like sentient bomb, while stupid, and oh, it it's is, very stupid. Oh, Let's get into that stupid. in a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Is like you could do something interesting with like how like what does this bomb feel like? What does it want to do? Like, and instead right. it's just it's just the doctor being boring and shouty. Well, and like, the thing this is, isn't even the best evil doctor. No, the thing is, Picardo has played someone has taken over my program like five times before, and Picardo's great at what he does, but mm-hmm. he's got a pretty narrow range, and I don't feel like he's got many more evil guy voices left. So he even played it; he didn't even chew the scenery enough. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the that's what I was looking forward to when he was possessed. I know we've seen it before, but I was sort of expecting him to be like running back and forth and, like, smashing his hands against the glass and stuff. And I was yep. like, oh, well, at least I have that to look forward to. No. Well, yeah, Picardo can do that Shatner or even Avery Brooks thing mm-hmm. where it's just like, wow, that is over the top. Mm-hmm. But that guy's he wasn't. mad about something. But again, it's because he's done it so many times. And, and I, I, I appreciate the actor probably wanting to do something not like he's done before. And that doesn't leave many options because he's already used up his best stuff. Yeah. So my my thing about the wasted potential is... Okay, we don't like Harry. We're we're pretty clear about that, I think. But do we not like Harry? I don't know if if, I don't know if we made that clear enough. Well, (laughs) we haven't published an official position paper on it or anything. But I feel like that's. uh... I feel like I'm running out of ways to describe it. It was sort of like when we got to the point where I talked about as much as I possibly could about gay people in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's I've reached that point with hating Harold. I just I I don't know that I have a new way to describe my hatred. Well, but the thing is, putting aside the fact that we don't like him, just the idea of, like, the, the basic concept of the character, the junior officer that the captain's taken under her wing to train to be, like, one day you're going to be a captain. I see greatness in you. Let me show you. This is your first away mission. This is your first command thing. This is your, like, we did a bit of that in the other series. And it could have been cool to show Harry trying to decide and wrestling with the morality and trying to figure it out. But it wasn't that because the acting didn't, like, Garrett Wong didn't sell it. And... Harry kept going to the captain and like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. Yeah. And like, there was no point where he reached a decision on his own. It was all just flailing and, and weakness. And it was mostly women shoving him along. Like yeah. we have, uh, 
we have him going to the captain and her saying, listen, you need to, you need to make a choice, man. This is, this is your job. This is the job you wanted. And then later on, when he's stuck in sick bay trying to talk the bomb off the ledge, he's in there with Bellana and he's just like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do anything at all because everything I do is wrong. And she has to like shake him and yeah. be like, no, we need to do something. That's what we do. Yep. Like, and he get, doesn't learn anything. Get your shit together, dummy. And there's a whole scene between them that feels like a season one. Yeah. Because she call like she doesn't call him Starfleet, but it it, it goes back to that. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the well, your Starfleet way of doing things says this, but you need to think on your feet out here in space like the Maquis do. And it's like, dude, why are we still having this conversation? Yeah. No, we've gotten way beyond this crap. Yeah. Apparently, we haven't. Between this and a couple weeks ago, Bolana just getting mad at everything for no reason. Yep. Just, this is regressing to season one somehow. It, I mean, it, at least it, it really feels like the the writers all just got together and just like let's watch season one and recapture everything right about it. We we loved well. This was our best work. Apparently, what yep. did we do right? They've really been fumbling Bolana recently. Yeah, like they 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 were. I really felt like they were going in a good direction with her, and they were. They yeah, they absolutely were. Like the, she had similar arc to Kira, different enough that she's different, mm-hmm. but a similar arc that she started out with a huge chip on her shoulder and started realizing, wait a minute, I need to, I need to calm down if I want to get anything done. And bonding with Kate, and I, I think yeah. like I'm super glad Seven's on the cast. I really like her. She's one of my favorite characters on the show. I think she's great. But her uh, bonding with Kate has sort of meant that there's less time for Bolana to do that, and I do miss that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's been the one problem with Seven we talked about. You said this has been a Tuvok-like season as well, and you're correct. And it's because Seven kind of fills that role, too. Like, they're kind of using her where they typically would use Tuvok and Balana in different mm. situations. And so we're losing those guys a bit, and that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, can't and we I... put Seven on bridge duty? Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, make she's... her the chef, I guess. <laughs> that would be a weird choice. Well, Neelix is now the makeup officer. Yeah. Because that's a thing. And I know it was supposed to be a joke, but it didn't come off as a joke. I'm head of makeup now. Also, when they were faking her burns, when they first talked about it, I thought they were just going to burn Seven and mm-hmm. she was just going to be fine with it because she's super tough. And yeah. I kind of would have liked that better. That would have been better. But yep. most things like, would have been better. Just like smashing her face on Neelix's stove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this human bomb. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. What? Uh... I don't get... Because, okay, the whole premise of the episode is this thing is sentient, and it was programmed to do a thing that it can't divert from. So the whole point of giving it consciousness is so that it can make a common sense decision and not just get locked into an unalterable, like, computer target, right? And if you've got a... If you've got something with this destructive capacity that's not entirely a stupid idea like to have to give it it common sense to to give it the ability to reason Mm -hmm. so it can say oh the war is over i should stop yeah but the whole conflict of the episode was it has to do what it's programmed to do so what's even the point of giving it a personality in the first place yeah it's just what yeah no you might as well just program it to do its job if that's what if that's what you want to do yeah you can't have it both ways you can't have it be a person but also just act like a computer. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of it being a person, when they talked about giving it, um, when they talked about giving him a, ho- a hollow body, all of us, ev- all three of us <laughs> wrote the note, oh God, don't be a sexy lady, don't be a sexy lady, please, mm-hmm. please, please, don't be a sexy lady. Well, if it hadn't gone into the doctor's body, that would have been the other yeah. thing they would well, have done. And see, Harold designed it, so like odds were pretty good it was going to be a sexy lady, but not as sexy as Garrett Wong had hoped. <laughs> well, of course not. They never are. 
You I promised think... me a sexy lady. <laughs> Try again. This this does not meet the standards of Seventeen Magazine's Sexiest Boy of the Year. Honestly, what I would really like is for is for the the sexy bomb body to just be a Super Mario Brothers bomb with two sexy lady legs coming out of it, <laughs> and maybe bomb boobs. Yes. Yeah, two extra bombs. Those mm-hmm. ones come off. Yeah, that would be it. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? The fleet of bombs looked like exocomps, and that reminded me that exocomps exist. Exocomps. Exocomp. <laughs> you guys are buzz marketing exocomps now. <laughs> Fan favorite exocomp returns in yeah. Warhead. I actually like to look. There was like a whole swarm. Like now that we're well into the era where CG effects are more practical. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, not more practical. That's the opposite of CG, <laughs> but more doable. Yep. Like I like that they are surrounded by a hundred of these things. Whereas back in the day, they might be able to pull off five or something they like, looked cool like it looked it like they they're swooping all around voyager it looked yeah. neat yeah and you really, you really believed the danger because there's a giant field of missiles instead of like a couple of them it's so. like and the, the um the the knives from uh beyond that big yeah. fleet of cool looking tiny spaceships right knives yeah knives that's what they call them right yeah they could call them little shinzons Ugh. No, that would only be if they all formed into one huge knife. Made up of tiny knives. Made up of tiny knives, yes. (laughs) I also liked the individual design of uh, the bomb. It looked, I thought, very original series-y, kind of like the Nomad Probe, like that that kind of thing. I could see that. Yeah. It did actually look like the Exocomp, though, too. Yeah. It had a similar design to it. Yeah. I, but speaking of looking like the original series, my bad thing, one of many, but uh, this, this is one I picked. Yes. Uh, the, the set at the beginning where the human bomb was embedded in the, the uh, paper mache rock <laughs> looked the original series level bad. Like oh, it looked it like the was, Apple planet. That, it th- looked- that was some great, uh, that was some great paper mache ring. Yeah, uh, shout out to uh, Mrs. Johnson's fourth grade class for their contributions <laughs> to the set design this week. It looked bad for original series. Like, if you were grading on the original series curve, that mm-hmm. would have looked bad compared to that. Yeah, it was less a set and more a diorama. Yeah. Just really just garbage. Yep. Just terrible. And the thing is, they must have had, like, it clearly was mostly a bottle show. Like, we had some yeah. CG effects, but set-wise, that was the only set. Otherwise, everything happened on in sickbag. Yeah. So they were obviously trying to save some money, but like you got planet hell. You can't do like uh just it, uh. it looked worse than regular planet hell. Like it when did. they or when they just go into those caves. Yeah. Like it looked worse than caves. I think it did too. Uh, yeah. We don't have time to build planet hell. Just uh break out planet heck. <laughs> <laughs> planet robot hell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's talk about some bad things. Amanda, what do you got? Oh, boy. It's picking out a single drop out of the ocean. (laughs) Spoiled for choice. Inside the ocean. (laughs) But, um, I think that the bomb turning into a good guy was completely unearned. Yep. Um, It sure was. Yeah. Like, I didn't Yeah, we had five minutes left, so it's time for him to turn good now. I didn't buy it for a second. I didn't. He didn't seem to be convinced. Nope. Uh, the conversations with Harold were like, they were weak. They were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And 
there was just no real reason for him to have changed his mind. Well, it's just the conversion. It happens so quickly and so shittily that like the first time I watched, I missed it. So I watched I, like the second time through. It's like, okay, where did this happen? And it's like, no. Oh, I didn't miss anything. I just blinked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you no, considered it's like, not being a bomb? It's like, oh, come on. No. Oh, come on. No. Oh, come on. All right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and that's where you have the impassioned speechifying where you yeah. can where you see the when you that's see where a good the, actor yeah. comes in and, yeah. and really nails like sells the point at the end i mean to be clear garrett wong is not good no um but the script didn't but give this, him anything yeah either. this this was not entirely his fault like there was other things in this episode that were but the script was really just a bad yeah like unusually bad mm-hmm. it was the thing is Bad is fun for us. Oh, yeah. Like, as a Star Trek yeah. fan, I don't want it to be bad. But as a person who every week has to comment on everything, mm-hmm. bad is fun. But this wasn't bad enough to be fun. It was like so much Voyager, just boring. Just the same elements rearranged in a slightly different shape, but not in an entertaining way. And that is not fun for us. Yeah. It's Spot. bad and also dull. Spot, bad is fun. Up is no. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was your bad thing, Matt? Ugh. Has the Doctor ever actually successfully befriended another AI that he meets while he's out on his adventures? It seems like every time he does, it just betrays him. Yep. Like, yep. I'm thinking of this. We had the Doctor Mengele episode where he's like, wait a minute, you're an evil killing machine? Yeah. Um, oh, him and him and his holo family, they didn't go bad. They were just like, someone made them real and it got fucked up. Yeah. But like every- His, every t- his the real doc- friend was that doctor lady, but she was just real. Yeah. 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 That's true. No, it's just like every time he tries to reach out to another AI to be all like, oh, I love AIs. I want to learn more about you. They're just like, no, we're evil. Yeah. So is he literally the only one of his kind that is not a jerk? Because the other sentient hologram we know of is Moriarty and he's evil. Yep. There's Andy Dick. Uh, he's not sentient, though. I thought he was sentient. No. No? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Probably I with think time, but uh, yeah. when we meet him, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Much like the real so, Andy Dick. <laughs> so my good thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> interesting you say it like that. Yeah. There, there is an actor. Uh, most of us don't know him by name. His name was Frank Nelson back in the day. Uh, but, but you do know him. He uh, famously did a voice on the Flintstones. Oh. And he was in a. He was in a lot of old, uh, like uh, like Jackie Gleason stuff. Like a lot of stuff that's probably too old for our audience. It's actually a little too old for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I don't it, understand. I know it through secondhand references, but they did a reference to him on The Simpsons, so most people probably know it from that. And it's the <laughs> guy. <laughs> and and on The Simpsons, it was why do you talk like that? I had a stroke. <laughs> and and rumble. And the uh, alien, actually from Amanda's quote, uh, it just reminded me of that, and it made me laugh. <laughs> it was amusing to me. That an alien beamed on and sounded like Frank Nelson. That's really all I got. <laughs> Hello, Voyager. <laughs> he yep. looked really cool, and I'm like, ooh, who's it was this a good cool design, alien. Yes. And then that and then he opened his yep. mouth. That comes out. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll make sure you never trade in this area of space again. Goodbye forever. <laughs> I'm glad, Egg. like Matt, you were definitely better suited to doing that voice than I am, and. Before, when you were trying, I think you were mixing in a little of the, um, Hello, Captain Kirk. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think you've, you've honed in on it this time, so that's good. Yeah. 
Um, I, a lot of my notes are just yelling about why is Harry in the captain's seat? Why is he leading an away mission? Just uh, I have a record uh, amount of notes in that there are very few. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say last week you had a lot of screaming. Mm-hmm. This week, not very much. Well, I mean, last week was aggressively stupid. This is just nothing. It's a nothing episode that no one seemed to have tried very hard to do. Well, the the ultimate lesson, the the moral of the story is uh, Harold is a special boy. Well, I mean, I could have told you that he's the specialist boy there is. Nailed it. Yeah, there's a song that 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 says it much better than we could. Yep. <laughs> Thanks just, again for that, Richard. When the when the when the when the ridiculous alien shows up and he's just like, "Yes, I'd like to buy your bomb." I'm just like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, sell it. <laughs> yep. can't, let's, let's finish this up." But that was at like the 20 minute mark, so we know we can't do that. No, it's, can we please bail on this episode early? Yeah. Maybe we could go back to watching Seven play ping pong. Also, <laughs> also, it, uh, it it reminded me, it made me wish I was watching The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he, he kept talking about how he is not a gun. And yep. like, like, aw, I could watch a way better story about a machine that doesn't want to be programmed to kill. Oh, man. The Iron Giant yeah. isn't. Is infinitely better than this episode. Yeah, but it's it's essentially on a sci-fi level, it's basically the same like high concept premise. Mm-hmm. It's the machine is self-aware, doesn't want to kill, and wishes he doesn't have to. And like, I, I wish I would much rather watch that. That is my favorite, probably my favorite animated movie. That's fair. Probably Super in my like top ten movies ever. It's really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? No. Amanda? Nah, there's not too much to this one. There's not. Uh, the the next one though, uh, uh, season finale, part one. So you get a nice cliffhanger. Yeah, uh, Matt, uh, that. tell us tell us the thrilling conclusion of season five, won't you please? Equinox part one. Well, sir. While doing their usual thing, Voyager somehow stumbles upon another Starfleet ship in the middle of the Delta Quadrant, also brought over by Voyager's greatest foe, Banjo Man. <laughs> what are the odds? Not good, folks. The odds are not good. Anyway, this is the USS Equinox, a science vessel crewed by Captain Ransom and his merry men. Actually, they are not at all merry. Mostly they are tired and constantly being attacked by Slimer-style ghosts who bust into reality until they're shot with phasers. It's a, it's a whole to-do. <laughs> so, Kate brings the remnants of the crew on board, but they're all actually really acting kind of shady. Like, Ransom keeps asking Kate about the Prime Directive and how important it is and how often has she disobeyed it no really you can tell me i'm a great secret keeper wow not even one time huh like not even for paris's birthday jeez <laughs> well <clears throat> me neither definitely definitely always the prime directive really good got great great time how are you what's how, how's it going Anyway, the Voyager crew does the absolute minimum amount of digging around and discovers that the Equinox has been running their ships on the Ghost Souls, which is a direct violation of both the Prime Directive and Voyager's own ass-grass-or-gas policy. <coughs> Ransom and his guys then attempt to escape with the help of their evil doctor and then leave Voyager behind to be murdered by flying boglins. Cliffhanger! <laughs> I guess it's a cliffhanger. It's literally. Are they, are they going to be murdered? Tune in next season. No, they weren't. It's literally Allie, like Kate, like a flying ghost just flies at the camera. It's like I've seen so many episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that ended that way. I just assume they were dick bats because it looked like like the standard like dick bats attacking like better than filmation, mm-hmm. but still just a, a flying like weirdly colored yeah. thing. They yeah, exactly. A, there's definitely a dick ba- a dick bat a, dick uh, bat yeah at hang on. 
I'm dick, lost dick in it battery? now. Yes. Dick Bat-esque. Yeah. No, and and the the last scene is like a stupid fisheye POV shot, which we'll get to in a minute for Amanda's bad thing, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the tick bat flying toward uh, Janeway. And I'm not thinking, oh, no, the captain's going to die. I'm thinking, oh, no, it's going to get stuck in her hair. <laughs> that is not the way to end your season. That is not Mr. Warf fire. That is not the Cardassians have taken the station. That's, uh, oh, how's she going to get that out of her hair? <laughs> Look out, Kate's Kate. cleaning out the attic. Yeah. <laughs> Like we've had, a, even on Voyager, we've had some pretty great season-ending cliffhangers. Like oh, yeah. even we hated the Kazon, but they took the ship and ran off with it. That was like, oh that was shit, so cool. <laughs> like we hated those guys, but that was still pretty. Like they're str- like Voyager's stranded and the ship's gone off. Fuck. Yep. Uh, but this time, <laughs> oh, there's some pests on the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, oh we no. Really, we should probably spray for dick bats. I guess the 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 first scene of the next episode is just going to be a, a giant cooking pot in in the mess hall and neelix stirring it and just bits of dick bat sticking out oh, well good. we took care of that oh, that's good dick bat they're, num, just num, gonna, num. they're just gonna take some salt and put it around voyager's hydroponic garden to keep the slugs from getting out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then you get salt vampires <laughs> Ugh, again they haven't carried salt on starfleet ships for a hundred years because of the salt vampires. well that would give matt another chance at that yeah that's true he's been longing for that that's true see the thing is then when you have your salt your your salt vampire infestation then you have to get your space gorillas to eat all the salt vampires <laughs> right <laughs> if you give a mugatu a cookie <laughs> then you got mongoose running around Ugh. yeah it's a whole thing uh, also, Matt, I feel like going forward, when we don't feel like doing a summary because the episode has exhausted us, we should just say it's a whole to do. <laughs> well, it that's, was. That's a nice, but that's a nice concise summary of Voyager bullshit. Uh, it's a whole to do. So it's, now discuss. You, you know what happened. Some people yeah. talked to some other people. Maybe an explosion happened. There was a lot of running around, a lot of techno babble. It's a whole to do. The thing is, this is my bad thing. There was actually a lot to like here. Like there was. 15 or 20 minutes of really good, like, we haven't quite explored this before. Stuff. The middle bit was really good. Yeah, the middle going into the end, and then yeah. the end got bad again. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was really padded. Like, we don't know what's going to happen in, in part two. We probably know, but we don't exactly know. Running around, it'll be a whole to-do. Yeah. Right. But we, but it did not, it felt like this was half of a good episode, not the par- the first part of a good two-parter mm-hmm. it felt like it was like padded out a concept for two uh, one episode into two episodes and turned it into a cliffhanger it's just like we figured out that the the equinox crew was up to something almost right away because of course uh, they are their eyes were darting back and forth yep and they were looking behind themselves all the time and ooh, ooh. Uh, th- and that there, scene there's even a scene where ransom's just like now no one can know about our evil deeds that we've done they would <laughs> never steeples his fingers yeah and the scene that you very, very slightly exaggerate in your in your summary, mm. only just slightly, where he asks Kate if she's ever violated the Prime Directive. Like, we do a comedy show and you tried to turn it into a joke, but you didn't have much room to maneuver there because it was already pretty broad. The, 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 the dude is literally just like, so, breaking the Prime Directive, that's pretty fun, right? Nope, no, I mean, no, you. it's not not fun. That's yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, Captain Test. Got to keep each other on our toes because, yep. uh, oh, yeah. I was making sure that you hadn't used this opportunity away from uh, the yeah. Federation to go evil. You haven't, have you? I mean, honestly, I, we've brought, we've told other people about the Prime Directive just to use it more than we could. Yeah. So the yeah. only way I've interfered is by telling people to not interfere. So that 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 justifies itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Look, I got to go do basically anything else. I'll see you later. I'm going to go make sure none of my guys are violating the Prime Directive now. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's a thing I like to do where I uh, occasionally just check to make sure other people aren't yes. disobeying the Prime Directive. Prime Directive pop quizzes all the time. Also, hey. making sure that uh, they're not cannibalizing your crew, because that's something that they've never done before, but... You know, got got gotta keep up. Checking. I don't know why you guys kept talking about them cannibalizing. Like what? It felt like one of the episode. Like it. It felt like um, a ship runs into another ship, like a sailing ship, mm. and they come on there and they're all beat up. And the thing that they're keeping from the ship that's in good shape is the fact that they had to to eat some people to survive. Like that's just okay. a tr- that's just a tr- it's just yeah. trophy. This, this and it felt just, like that's what was going to happen. Th- this fair. might just be that we've read more short uh, short horror stories than you. Mm-hmm. That that's fair. Ladyfingers, they taste like ladyfingers. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I've read some stories like that. But like, I just finished a, a one of the Walking Dead games that was just about this family that has been eating people, and it was completely on my mind at the time. Ah, it's like enough. when they show up, I'm like, oh, obviously they've been eating the crew. Right. I, the thing is, my good thing is, I actually really liked. I ended up really liking the idea of another ship. Like we're at the end of season five, and we've never run into another Starfleet ship in the Delta Quadrant. Like. If they were hit, like, there's a lot of stupid contrived ways we keep coming back to the Alpha Quadrant and meeting Starfleet guys, and I am sick of that. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that no time travel, not not a not an imaginary story, not a dream. Like, we actually just ran into another ship that also got pulled here, like, for yep. the first time in five years. I, that's cool. Not Amelia Earhart in a tube. No, it, it wasn't a coincidence because Starfleet ships send out certain signals and they're not right next to them. They're like, mm. oh, shit. A Starfleet ship. What's going on here? And I, act- I like that. It actually reminded me a lot of the uh, Battlestar Galactic episode, Pegasus. I just don't yeah. remember that. Like, I, you said that, and I remembered enough to agree, but I don't remember specifically what happened, except brought to you by Quiznos. Well, it's basically, it was basically <laughs> the same thing. They happened to stumble across another another ship from uh, wherever from the fuck they were where, Yeah, Caprica. Yeah. Caprica. <laughs> and it's just like, well, how have you been running things? Well, we've been doing it this way. Oh, you've been doing it that way? Good Lord. Yeah. Well, and that's what I ended up liking is I'm like, this is very basic storytelling, but in a good way, mm-hmm. you you take a setting and a set of characters similar to yours in the same situation and you say, how did they act? And you really prove why your guys are heroic. Mm-hmm. You show Captain Ransom doing horrible things under the exact same circumstances. And then you realize, oh, Kate is not just doing what any Starfleet captain would do. She's special. She's better because she has been faced with things like this and she didn't do it because she's a better person and she's a hero. And yeah. she has had some opportunities to she screw has. people over to help her crew and mm-hmm. she decided not to. That's because, how we got here in the first yeah. place. Yeah. She could have destroyed the caretaker and gone home and she didn't do that. Nope. We started out on that foot. But even after that, because at that point she was still like connected to the Federation and to Starfleet right. and all of the amenities and yeah. it one of those saints out of heaven things. It's easy right. to be a good guy when things are good, yeah. it becomes more difficult as things become more difficult. But she has been faced with things after they've been out here for years. Yeah. Um, and she still has said no. Like the guys who had the fast, um, the guys on one of the mall planets when she, I think yeah, she the was Fabio, with Fabio guy, guy she fell in love yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. Where, um, they said, no, we're not giving you our special drive. I mean, they could have stolen and they, it, but they, they didn't. totally could have taken it, but they yeah. didn't because she is, she believes all mm-hmm. this stuff. She's principled. She's a hero. Yeah. But that's, to me, this is the fundamental argument in favor of, like, a lot of people don't like violating Gene's basic premise that everything's got to be good and no conflict. To me, this is the big argument in favor of that is, no, what you do is you put them in 
horrible, dark, morally questionable situations. And that shows why they're good because they are good. Absolutely. And that's why this is fundamentally Star Trek because she is a good human. And contrasting her with a human that's not so good really shines a light on that. And I like that a lot. But I can also see how it happened, like how yeah, these guys were went, relatable, went mm. down this path mm-hmm. and it's a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And he's been gone for so long and he just wants to get to help his crew survive. Yep. It's not coming from a like his evil is not coming from a place of evil. No. And is, it's like we've said also villains. the best. Yeah. The best yeah. villains have a point of view that is like, OK, well, that's not how I would do it, but I get it. And I like that, too. Mm-hmm. I also. We, we didn't really, like, Matt uh, kind of uh, covered this as, as a joke, but really, what they're doing is they're killing these creatures and, and using them as fuel. for Like, yeah. they, they, they built an orphan <laughs> into, their, uh, into their teleporter. I didn't use the whole thing. An orphan. What? An Little orphan. Orphan boy. Yep. And I, like, it is horrible. Like, it's a nice... An orphan? It's... <laughs> no, no, you gotta do it like, um... Benedict Cumberbatch's dog, an orphan. <laughs> I'm American. Hello, Doctor Strange here. It's a pleasure to meet you, <laughs> Stephen Strange, and my sanctum sanctorum <laughs> by the wands of Watum. <laughs> but it's it, like I liked, and then, Matt, this is your good thing, right? The look of these uh, little. Oh yeah, I love, I love the look of these guys, these dick bat looking motherfuckers. Well, you, you were correct to compare them to Slimer. They move around like, like they, when they, they come out of like weird holes in reality Fissures. and fly around like a fucking Ghostbusters ghost. So, yeah. I, it's also in the directing, which again, we'll get to in a sec, because Amanda has some issues there. But the way they shot them, because they would fly toward the camera the way mm-hmm. Slimer did. Yeah. But, um. It's like I, every scene of this episode is the last shot of Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. I didn't love the way they looked. But I'm willing to give them a lot of slack because, again, it's non-human. Yeah, I'm always a fan yeah. of that. So whatever. It looks a little dumb, but so what? Good. Well, the the point I wanted to make was I, I did, like, they did look a little goofy, but yeah, you're right. But I think it would have been more horrific if they were humanoid, if they were kind of similar mm-hmm. to us and they were killing them to mm. make the ship go. Like here, it's animals and then it turns into a, well, would you kill an animal for food? Well, most of us would. Two thirds of the people on this call would. Yep. I'm morally superior. Yes. Okay, fine. Future smug Would you man. kill an animal for fun, though? Yes. Would you kill an animal to make your ship go faster? Yes. Okay. Would you kill an animal for a Scooby snack? Yes. <laughs> but what if it was Scooby? I'd kill any of you for a Scooby snack. <laughs> right. And I don't you, even know what they are. They're just dog treats. <laughs> Why would a human want one of those? Here, have some dog food. For an excuse <laughs> to kill? I'll just murder someone for some dog food. <laughs> and then throw it away. <laughs> I didn't even want the dog food. No, I just dog. didn't want you to have it. <laughs> um, so, Amanda, we've talked about this a bit. Let's talk about the directing and your problem with the directing. Oh, boy. Um, it was directed by uh, David Livingston, who's done a lot of Star Trek. He's one of their house guys. He's been around since, yeah. like, mid-next gen, I think. And the directing in the the whole episode isn't bad, but anytime we're on the Equinox, that's all broken down, and it's got, like, steam machines pouring out steam... And, like, green lights flickering mm-hmm. under things, like the Borg are trying to take it over. And you got the fisheye lens and the swoopity oh, wow, camera. Wow, wow. Oh, fuck. Yep. It just, it's it's so bad. I, I it, guarantee it was done to, like, make the ship look bigger or not like a redressed Voyager. Yeah, my, that's exactly yeah. my thought, is it seemed like they were trying to obscure a lot of stuff. Because they didn't have a good enough set. Yeah. 
that they had to uh, smoke and uh, weird angles. And yeah, this is a totally different ship. Oh, woof. Yeah. Woof. I didn't love it. I did like the exterior of the Equinox, which I think is the first type of this ship we've seen before. Yeah, it looks like a combination of the Enterprise NX and the Enterprise E, did you say? Yeah, I think so. Like the, the movie Enterprise. Yeah. The next gen movie Enterprise. Yeah, it's it, it, and the reason I think that is because I feel like it's a little newer than Voyager, and it was built like in that same generation of ships as the Enterprise E was, and like that's where Federation Design's going right now. And it, but it's a small uh, uh, science ship, and they mention they lost like thirty eight crew, and that's half of them, mm-hmm, so they're yeah. only staffed for about seventy people anyway. And I like that because mm. like most of what we know of the modern Federation comes from uh, the Enterprise D, which had a thousand people, and I liked seeing different ships with different crews and how they work and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, like, like with cool. the Defiant, it was a smaller ship that was not meant... Yeah, just built for yeah. one kind of mission, just mm-hmm. for fighting, and that's it. Yeah. But but, it, but the directing wasn't all bad, because we had some more scenes in Astrometrics, which is like Seven's Clubhouse, which I love. Yeah, it just <laughs> seems like all the stuff in the Equinox. Yeah, and the, um, like, where we got, like, shots from really high up, because the set's so big, and, like, from, from in front of our guys and behind our guys, and it looks really cool. But then, yeah, the Equinox looks just, it just looks shitty. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I would have preferred if it was just, like, kind of a crummy-looking set without all of the tricks. Like, the tricks made it so much worse. And then it's like that every time we walk onto the Equinox. Like, we change to a different lens on the camera. Like, even once it was back up and working again, mm-hmm. it's still all wibbly-wobbly. Woof, I did not like it. No. Yeah. That's just the way the show do- does. Yeah. And I think, like, this season in particular, this is more my fault. We try to watch these together, but, like... For scheduling reasons, we haven't been able to. We're, you and I are both a little busy from time to time, and we can't always sit down and watch them together. So you've missed so some of them. And I think you're you're not seeing a lot of the patterns. Like, you're seeing them for the first time now, and you're like, ugh. And I'm like, uh, this is Voyager. It's because you're a boiled frog, and I'm not. What? <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in the pot so long that I don't <laughs> realize the water's hot. That yeah. Is, that is correct. And then you sting me because you're the scorpion. Well, it's my nature. Right. <clears throat> we already did that episode, though. Which I don't think you saw. I did, see, I did see that episode. Okay. I'll sting you for a can of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> that I will then throw away. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, your good thing was the design of the aliens. What was your bad thing? Uh, oh, yeah. So, we get the... Um, maybe this will get tackled in the next episode. I don't know. But the evil doctor shows up towards the end of this episode, and he is... Oh, the EMH on the Equinox, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the Equinox's doctor... Uh, EMH, basically. Uh, He seems way too competent and way too much like our doctor. Like, I I, I really like the idea that his ethical subroutines have been turned off, but I just, I wish he was more robotic, more like the doctor in his first appearance, because, like, it feels like the Equinox hasn't had him running the entire time like Voyager has, you know? They might have. They say in the episode that he can barely hold a scalpel anymore because he's so broke down. Yeah. Ah. So I'm not sure if that means that something's wrong with the hollow emitters. They've been using him too much. They've been using him not enough. But they didn't really pay that off. Right. Yeah. Well, and and like Matt said, maybe they will in the second one. That's in these two parters that are clearly written to be two parters. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes they don't give us all the information we need because they'll tell us later. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like uh, tension. It just feels annoying. I but. do kind of like that um, the Doctor's getting used against Voyager, because they use him as like an infiltrator guy all mm. the time. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a nice no, there, turnaround. There's some kind of weird uh, uh, radiation or something where a human couldn't beam over there. Right. So they send him. 
And yeah, the other they telegraph the fuck out of it, though. Woof. He's like, hey, how are you over here? Well, I have this mobile emitter. Oh, really? Well, let me just hit you with this clown hammer and take your mobile <laughs> emitter. Like, toot, toot, oh, the train yeah. is coming into telegraph station. <laughs> what? What are you? Toot, toot. Telegraph train? Yep, telegraph trains. Do you not know how telegrams work? Here it comes. It sounds like she knows exactly how telegrams yeah. work. Chugga, 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 choo, uh, well, look out because you think that train's coming for you, but it's just like the the movie screen. It's just a hol- it's just a hologram, right? Look, as in the holodeck. Gonna, as long as we're oh no, the safeties are off. <laughs> Listen, as long as we're not going to turn the Enterprise into a train, we're fine. Well, we've done that already, and like the ghost train from one of the Ghostbusters was it two? Two, yes. Ghost train. Well, hey, don't put it past Voyager. We still have apparently turn Voyager into a ghost train, but we still have an episode ahead of us apparently about Irish people that is worse than all the other Irish episodes combined. Oh, no. I that sounds impossible. Oh, well, there there are many people who have told me wow. and and told you, and you must have forgotten. I probably uh, did. That sounds like something I'd do. Irish Gav knows he signed up for it. You oh hit the God. bottom of the hole and they just give you a shovel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Where we were last week, that was rock bottom. Yeah. But this week, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I did like that they did disable the other doctor's uh, subroutines, like you said. Because um, the doctor's like, did you realize that they, they've been burning, like, burning these living things like coal? And he's like, yeah, I designed the machine that does More that. Dogs the first thing, for the fire. You did what? The yeah, first they, thing they, they did was shut off my ethical subroutine. Yeah, all they did was switch off my morality, and I'm a scientific genius with no boundaries now. I, I would oh, love shit. if they played that up. Like, there's the part where the doctor break, uh, breaks them out of uh, Voyager, and I would love if he just, like, just walks up to the two guards and just injects both of them with cyanide, just because it's easiest. Yep. I killed both of them. Why? They were in the way. Yeah, they're <laughs> not in my way anymore. In the way. Yep. That's true. Uh, what else? Also, I wanted this can of dog food they had. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our runner this week? Dog food. Okay. Dog food. Well, with this this week's episode of the Post Atomic Horror, sponsored by Fluffy Dog Dog Food. <laughs> <laughs> You'll kill for it. <laughs> There's uh, most of the people, most of the crew on the Equinox I found pretty interesting, mm-hmm. um, except there's the one blonde chick who I guess is their chief engineer, um, and she was fine in scenes with other people, but there's a couple of scenes where she's walking down a corridor with Chakotay talking. Or she's at a table with Chakotay and Harold. But I'm talking in particular about mm-hmm. the scenes where she and Chakotay, it's just the two of them, and there's no emotion in either of their voices, and just back and forth like this for Hey, a while. so uh, are we going to walk this way? Yeah, and then but, so you'd you'd have that, and then you'd also have the techno babble on top of that that just mm-hmm. made it even more boring. It's like listening to Garrison Keillor read you a technical manual. <laughs> <laughs> He's read all the technical manuals. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful day here at uh, whatever the fuck the town is that I don't remember, and uh, uh, Lake Lake Wobegon, and um, I'm going to reroute the EPS conduits into the uh, warp nacelles now. You fool! Yeah, that'll just... destroy the whole ship. Oh no! Stop. <laughs> come back yeah stop don't police murder but everyone else on the equinox i found actually pretty interesting which is a hard thing to do and here hey here's five new characters and the rest of them pretty good three seconds for each of them yeah no and like the captain the captain got a fair amount oh no the captain did that's the cat and and you were saying uh they did a pretty good job of casting someone who uh seemed like a captain yeah that's always hard for me like when your guest star because the captain has to have Mm -hmm. that like you got to believe them as a leader and this guy felt like, uh, to me, he felt like low-rent uh, Martin Sheen. 
No. To me, he Matt- felt like he wanted to be Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> right. Hey, aim high. <laughs> Boy, you Who's know, already if, o- cheap if only I TV could, version. Yeah. If only I could be Tron and Babylon 5's own Bruce Boxleitner. But I guess I never will be. And I'm a D minus, but one day maybe I'll be a D plus. <laughs> Best I can ho- ever hope for. Most improved day. <laughs> but there were there were a couple of like there was this great bit that Amanda you really liked with Bellana. Bellana ran into one of her ex boyfriends, and I don't know why I had. There's no reason for me to think this, but she ran into her uh, one of her ex boyfriends on is on the crew, and I just sort of feel like Bellana has ex boyfriends all over the place. Like it's a, it's a statistical likelihood <laughs> that if they met another Starfleet ship. She's got someone whose heart she broke there. Now, do you believe she has slept around? Uh, not that we are not slut shaming in any way. If she's very promiscuous, good on her. But what I'm saying know. is, do I you just, think that, or do you think she just went on it, a lot of bad first dates? It's not a sex thing. It's hmm. just, and you know, you know, come on here and talk about sex on Star Trek all day long. Uh-huh. But um, it's not so much a sex thing. It's just I feel like she's got a lot of ex boyfriends and just. Just a line of broken hearts in every port. Broken and hearts and worked. broken spines, considering yes. how she has sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I also really enjoyed, um, Paris was clearly jealous, mm-hmm. and she just, she didn't care. She's yep. just like, yep, nope, this is my extra boyfriend. This is another one that extra I've got. Extra boyfriend? Extra, yeah, extra boyfriend. Also, in case you were worried about having something to be jealous about, he's smart, and his penis is bigger, and uh, yeah, I guess you do have something to worry about. Yeah, he's so better keep than you in toes. every measurable way. Yeah, yeah. keep, keep I, I choose to be with you, mm-hmm. and I'm continuing to choose but to be with you. But maybe tomorrow I couldn't. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a choice I have to make every day, mm-hmm. Tom, so uh, maybe keep on it. I noticed you haven't no. given me any gifts lately. Maybe you should think about that. <laughs> I, I did like they seem to be going the way, oh, boy, this episode's going to have, like, there's going to be a subplot. Yep. About, like, his jealousy. And there wasn't. Like, they just, it was that one scene that was kind of funny, and that was it, and they moved on. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that, too. And uh, actually, my good thing is there's a sequence where, for some reason, they choose seven to um, comfort someone who's pinned under like some girders or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get him out. And she's she's first off the worst choice, except maybe Neelix. Mm-hmm. And um, you're going to be fine. She, she actually does a pretty good job, but it, it's quite funny. But the guy that she that's trapped under there, I really liked him, and I thought those two actually had really good chemistry. Yep. Yeah. They had a couple of very small scenes together. No, I liked him too, and it was mostly his voice. He had a really cool voice that, mm-hmm. like, he didn't ha- he didn't spend enough time for me to get to like him, but I still instantly liked him. He just had one of those voices that that I really respond to. He's also a giant tree of a man. Yep, that's true. But uh, getting back to the captain, I um I, I liked him. Like, yeah, he overplayed his uh, prime directive thing, like we talked about. But otherwise, I I really believed him as the guy who's like, you know what, we got to get home. Mm-hmm. Fuck the prime directive. I want to get these people home. That's my job. And I, I, it didn't feel forced. Like it felt like I believed this guy would do that. Yeah, it's, that it, it would be really easy to have him be like the crazy guy, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And th- th- those kind of villains are not interesting to me. No, but like he—he's he's, not waving a knife around. No, like he he's doing this for the good be, of the Bajoran people. <laughs> like he could easily be the captain of a different show. Right. Yeah, I liked him. Mm-hmm. Um. And who else do we have? So that that's I think that's, that's pretty it. much all the people we met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ship. Yeah. But that's really good 
for having adding that many characters. And yeah. Matt was saying how he was sort of hoping we might get to keep one or two of them. And honestly, I wouldn't mind that either. Like, no, I mean, they're, nice. they're evil, so that's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, but that's what happened with Pegasus that, that you compared it to, Matt. Yeah. The, yeah. The, like, they met that ship and absorbed their crew, but the, the ship blew up or something. I don't mm. remember exactly. No, they kept, the, they kept Pegasus. Then there was just two ships. Oh, right, right, right. The uh, uh, the the admiral didn't make it out. Spoilers for Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> right. Galactica but uh, the uh, the admiral that like we, Quiznos. The, the admiral that we knew is an ensign. Yep, ensign Rowe, who got a lot of promotions to to go to Battlestar Galactica. She uh, she did all right after she left the Enterprise, and then she didn't. And then yeah, yeah. But Ron Moore took care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a scene in this that I really liked and just sort of goes back to talking about uh, how we haven't seen a lot of Tuvok. There's a good scene with uh, Tuvok and Seven where it shows what you can do with good writing because they're both kind of uh, deadpan characters mm-hmm. and putting so putting them together could yeah, be... As a writer, yeah. I just like being faced with the prospect of putting those two together. Oh, this is not going to be interesting to listen to. Yeah. But it was really good because they talked about how uh, bo- or, um, Seven's real interest is in perfection mm-hmm. and um, Tuvok's real interest is in efficiency. And so they both are going towards a similar goal, but they are actually very, very different. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it was, it was a really interesting sort of brief look into the character. And it was just, it felt, it was, pro- that was actually probably Braga. Like that felt like one of those good Braga yeah, scenes. He's, he's pretty good with character stuff. Yeah. Um, our distaste for many things about him aside, that, He's really good at that, and it, that felt like one of his. Yeah. No, he he co-wrote this episode with I think Minoski and and Rick Berman. Yeah. Woof. I feel like Berman probably was the one who wanted to make this the the, the uh, cliffhanger. I could be wrong, but it just feels like because usually his input is like marketing related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like okay, we'll we'll sell this as our big event this year. And really invaded by bugs, huh? Okay. Voyager finds another Starfleet crew. And but there they, is, but they're a murder. <laughs> there's way too much action adventure in this. Yeah, there is. It, it, like I said, it feels, as Matt said, it could have been a better one-parter. Yep. Yeah. Which is what you call that kind of episode. <laughs> yeah, one-parter or episode. Right. Like, in Doctor Who, what I think of as action adventure there is like in the old episodes where they're running through some hallways and they get captured by one faction. Mm-hmm. Then they break out of that they run through some older hallways and get captured by the other faction, and nothing really happens there. It's just running back and forth. So it's Matt's uh, to do. Just yeah. that. Just there was a whole to do. It was yeah. a big to do. Yeah. Ugh. So is the script then the to do list? Yes. Sure. Okay. Yes. Let's go with that. All right. Uh, that's all I have. What about you guys? Yeah, I think that's everything. That's pretty well it. Matt, you got a quote for us? Uh, yes, I do. It's called Janeway Chews Out This Guy. But it was too late. We examined the remains and discovered it could be converted to enhance our propulsion systems. It was already dead. What would you have done? We traveled over 10,000 light years in less than two weeks. We'd found our salvation. How could we ignore it? By adhering to the oath you took as Starfleet officers to seek out life, not destroy it. It's easy to cling to principles when you're standing on a vessel with its bulkheads intact, manned by a crew that's not starving. It's never easy. But if we turn our backs on our principles, we stop being human. Yeah. I did, what, yep. I did what I had to do for the sh- for my crew. Nah, that's pretty stupid. Yeah, well, that was wrong. You did it wrong. Well, don't hurt my crew. Nah, I'm probably going to. 
I make no promises. <laughs> also, I'm not sure what her end game is, throwing them in the brig. Is she going to keep them in there for 40 years? Uh, I believe yeah, if if uh, if Trek has taught me, if Voyager has taught me anything, she's going to leave them in there until she needs them or is bored. Yeah. We'll forget about them for two seasons, and then one of those situations will come up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for season five. Yep. Two more, five down, two to go. Yep. That's That's something, I guess. Um, which sure. means ne- next week is supplemental time. Yep. Um, we will be answering any of your mail. We will be revisiting uh, Star Trek Beyond and, and doing a proper summary and uh, brief dis- rediscussion. We're not going to do the whole hour on that, but we'll do a few minutes just uh, now that we've got a little time and we can calm down our, you know, uh, uh, fanboy initial fanboying. Yeah. And actually, like, look at it a little more critically. Mm-hmm. Um, we and are- Matt will be visiting our house. He- yes, well, that thank was- you. I was just trying to to lead to that. Uh, we will be live streaming it as we have done in the past. I'm coming uh, to details. your house after school. Yay! I'm an abomination. <laughs> um, uh, uh, details for that. Uh, if if you follow our Tumblr or if you check our website postatomichorror.com or if you uh, like the Algar Productions uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, the information will all be there. I'm actually speaking of Facebook. Going to look into. I know Facebook has a live streaming option now. And that maybe that'll be better than um, what we've been using, which I cannot think of the name of right now. But is Periscope? Yes, Periscope. Um, I, I want to use the thing that everyone can get to the most. Like, I, I want to yeah. make it easy to get to. And unfortunately, like, Twitch, I don't think lets you use it unless you're doing game stuff. And so I'm, I'm trying. So also, if you know about this kind of thing, maybe give me a suggestion. Uh, send an email. Osamacore uh, mm-hmm. at Gmail. In any case, uh, we will be providing details for that. It will be Saturday, November the 19th. Uh, and again, the time and the details will be on the various places I mentioned. So it write is. to us, uh, interact with us. We will, we will, we would love to hear from you. Send us suggestions for things to talk about. Yes, please do. Uh, and until then, uh, See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.